Hey guys, Tony Palo here from Equipping for Life. I am here. I'm here to help you. I'm here to equip you. I'm here to coach you. I'm here to empower you. I'm here to teach you tactical tools to overcome. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and we'll see you guys around. Thank you for your word. Lord, we ask for discernment, Lord, as we preach from the book of Revelation. The seven churches, seven words of encouragement, seven words of rebuke. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for your word. Aren't you glad you didn't sleep in? Hannah, right? Aren't you glad you didn't sleep in? Let's turn to our Bibles to Romans chapter 2. Thank you, Andy. We're preaching about the seven churches in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 2. And uh, Revelation chapter 3, um, these seven messages to seven churches are so uh, critical. In fact, when uh, uh, doing the, my homework and research on this, there are some commentators believe that these seven messages to these seven churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 were for that, those churches, and they don't speak to us today, which would be very sad that there's no application because the word is very much alive, and we can make very much a lot of application to us today. So we believe that these messages to these seven churches in Revelation speaks to us today. So essentially what, what Jesus, what the, this vision was and is, is it se there's seven words of encouragement and then seven rebukes. Basically, these rebukes were so harsh, we'll say there were seven words of encouragement and seven spankings. You ever got a spanking? Like for those of you who are on the older side. Now the spanking now is like, okay, well, you're seven. You sit in the corner for seven minutes. So y'all, wow. Do we need to have it? Are you guys okay? You guys good? Because, man, because when I got a spanking, let me tell you something. And it was like, it was like you know, we read this. And I want to remind you, God chastises those he loves, right? And so when we were like, my mom would say stuff like, hey, Mom, you're watching. I love you. 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 So my mom, when she would say, okay, um, do you want me to spank you or you want your dad to spank you? So I said, I want dad to spank me. So what my mom did was she spanked me. And then when my dad got home, he spanked me. And then they would say stuff like, well, we're, we're doing this because we love you. And when you're seven, you just don't quite grasp that complex structure. So, but here, <laughs> he chastises those he loves. So he encourages us, but some of y'all need a spanking. <laughs> that felt good to say. I'm going to say it again. Some of y'all need a good old-fashioned taken to the back of the barn. Only because he loves you. See, you don't need deliverance. You need discipline. And so what we're talking about here for the first church is the church of Ephesus. He rebukes the church of Ephesus because he says, you've lost your first love. This is what Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 says. You guys have your Bibles and your Bible apps open? All right? Because Jesus is speaking his mind to the church. This is what he says. To the angel 
of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. And the seven stars are essentially the seven leaders of these seven churches. Seven, isn't there a seven stars bakery? <laughs> it's kind of strange. Huh? Anyway, so he holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands, which are the seven churches. Every church has its own lampstand, and that lampstand represents power, influence, impact, uh, uh, and everything having to do with being the church of Christ on this earth. He says in verse uh, 3, verse 2, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Verse 4. It says, yet, other versions say, but, I have this one thing against you. Anybody have a conversation with you, and, and they're like, yeah, 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 and then you're like, but, this is it, this is it right here, but, I hold this thing against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent. Remember that word? <laughs> we still use that word around these neck of the woods. And do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, this is the part here that so many churches are kind of leaving out of the preaching of the gospel. Because this is, in the original Greek, this is really harsh. And we have to understand that God has, there are consequences. God chastises those. God judges those. So he says, if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your influence from its place. Its impact, the light, the source, this, the, that, that light, that influence, that energy, I will remove from you. But you have this in your favor. You, have the, you hate the practices of the Nickelodeons. That's not what it says. That's how I read it, but that's not what it is. Which I also hate. Seven. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And this is to you. Whoever has ears. I'm not talking about these things on the side of your head. I'm talking about the ears of your spirit. Whoever has ears, let, the, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life which is the, from, in the paradise of God. Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 3 is famous for the seven messages to the seven different churches. And there are 12 disciples now. John the apostle who wrote the book of Revelation is the only apostle that wasn't martyred. The other apostles were martyred for their faith during a season of persecution. We see persecution as Oh, they didn't invite me to their party on Friday night. That's not persecution. And you shouldn't be there on that party on Friday night. Persecution is them not shunning you or laughing at you because you're a believer. Persecute, true persecution is that 11 disciples, apostles, were 
martyred for their faith. And it was only John that wasn't martyred for his faith, but he was exiled to an island called Patmos. And what the world tried to do to John was they would try to decrease his influence. They're like, you have too much influence. You're speaking up too much. We don't like what you got to say. So we're going to exile you and we're going to banish you to this island. And this is what the world does. The same thing they did to John. We don't like you. We're going to shut you down. We're going we're gonna to put you on Facebook jail. We don't like what you're saying. We're going to decrease your influence and impact. This is what the world does. But unbeknownst to the world that God's greatest work is accomplished during a season of darkness. The world will never celebrate covenant with you. The world will never celebrate what God, don't ever expect the world to come into agreement with your covenant with God. And this is what they did to John. They banished him to an island in order to decrease his influence. And parts of Revelation were written during this season. And during this season, John's, Jesus spoke to Jesus, John, in a vision. He revealed far-off events about the church. He, he encouraged the church. He rebuked the church. And we're going to study these uh, original seven churches and get an understanding of what God is saying to us today. And in my, doing my homework, I've discovered a couple of things about these passages. And uh, there's a group of commentators that believe that this message to the book, to the church of Ephesus, that these messages were only to these churches and make no application to us today. We believe that these were a message to these churches, but they certainly do make application to us today. And interestingly enough, a chronological order was set up because we believe that these seven churches represent the, the, the seven periods throughout church history, like the church of Ephesus that started in A.D. 30, which represents the early church, all the way to 300 A.D., which was considered the apostolic church. This is the early church. This is what we're talking about tonight, this morning. Smyrna was a second church, which was during a season of martyrdom, where if you did not give up your faith, you were basically killed. I mean, imagine that. And imagine people being willing to surrender their bodies to death and actually saying, yes, I get to be martyred for the gospel. Third church was Pergamos. Next church was Thyatira. Next church was Sardis. The sixth church was Philadelphia. And now the season that we're in is the Laodicean church, which started in the 1900s and continues until Jesus comes back to rapture. Now, the problem that I'm having with this is that this is a reflection. The Laodicean church which is the last church that we're going to cover in six weeks, represents the modern day church of America, of the world. And now I say to myself, God, I don't want to be the worldly church. I want to be a church that is ready for your rapture to come back. I want to be a church that is pure and holy, ready to be raptured. A church that is without spot or wrinkle. That's the church that I would like to be. But the church that's listed here is the Laodicean church. And we're going to be covering that in several weeks now. The first church is the church of Ephesus. In verse 1, let's read that again. To the angel of the church of, in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven lampstands. Each church is given a lampstand. Now, David Siriano says it this way. It is fitting that the churches are only the lampstands because although we give light, we, don't, we are not the light ourselves. When Jesus says you're the light of the world, what he's saying is you're the resource of the source. 
The source, the true source is Christ. We are a resource. So when the world connects to the resource, the world is connecting to the source. The problem here in the book of Ephesus is that they're, getting, they're being rebuked because they lost their first love. So when you, can, when you disconnect from the source on the outside, it looks like things are going well. But we have no idea what's going on in the inside unless the Lord reveals it. So they are commended now. In verse 2, they say they're commended for their good works. They say, you know what? You're doing a really good job. Working hard having a lot of patience, resisting evil, you're not quitting, you're resisting false teachings, you're doing a really, really, really good job. But you're doing everything great. But this is not, the gospel is not about doing. The gospel is about being. Okay? This is really important for us to grasp this because the book, the church of Ephesus, you could, wow, they, they have everything in order. Wow, they're really pretty good. They're doing everything good. But then the Lord says in verse 4, but I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Now, this doesn't mean that you hate God. Couples were like, what happened that made it okay for you to sleep on the couch? I know the Bible says don't go to bed angry, so what I do is I just don't sleep. I'm still angry. I'm not going to bed. <laughs> nah, I sleep. I sleep actually too well. My bedtime's at 8, 8.30. My wife carries me to the bed like a baby. He says, you've lost your first love. You, you, you've lost that ability. You used to love God with the fire when you first got saved. But what happened? What happened? And I've seen this so many times when I'm talking to people. Somewhere, at what year did it happen where you stopped? Where kind of life just kind of crept in and you stopped loving, stopped having that same fire and stop having that same passion. You know, we, it's a, after a while, it's kind of like, well, I've been in this for a while. It kind of things get just dull. Things naturally, life, what, life rarely celebrates your sharpness. Life rarely celebrates the passion you have in your life for Christ. You know, we have, we have five, five kids. So for our first child, we were like changing her diaper 20 times a day. We're like trying to be the perfect parent. Our fifth child, we're like, uh, who's changing the diaper? Not me. I changed it last time. Not it. You're it. I did it last time. It's like, after a while, I, I'd like to know what happened. You, okay, you've been married 22 years, 27 years, 32 years. What year was it that you stopped? What year? At what year? And then you allowed it. You let it happen. I'm not saying you no longer love your spouse. I'm saying you, don't lo you no longer love your spouse the same way you did when you first met her or him. You love God so much, that fire, that passion, you made it known. Now, in looking at the church of Ephesus, and I was like, what happened with this early church, man? Because they had bragging rights. They were the first church to be planted. And this is the real problem with the Ephesus, church of Ephesus is that they were the epicenter of influence. They were the early church. They were famous. They had bragging rights. 
They had all these abilities. They had all these rights. They were busy. They were important. They were the early church. And the problem was is that they, be, they had the limelight, but they were in danger of losing the lampstand. You know what happened? Life. Life just, life just, Pat Sony, just life. What happened? I don't, I, I don't know. Just life got away. And like five years pass and ten years pass. And then COVID happened. We can blame everything on COVID for at least a year, right? Yeah, it was COVID. Oh, why do you have road rage? COVID. Why are you so angry? COVID. Pastor, why are you so sarcastic? COVID. So we can blame COVID for at least another year. Can we all agree? All in favor, say aye. That's a terrible agreement with your pastor. <laughs> you know what happened? <laughs> in the church of Ephesus COVID nothing terrible happened nothing bad happened they just allowed life to happen and what was happening on the outside began to creep in on the inside a ship sinks because of what's on the outside gets in on the inside. So you know what happened to the church of Ephesus? They got busy. They worked. They were the, the epitome of incredible impact. I mean, God says, hey, guys, you're doing a really good job. But how many of you know that you can look out on the outside and be a mess on the inside? So they just, life happens. Just got busy. I just like, you know, I see people all the time. I'm like, hey. And they try, there are people trying to hide from me when they don't come to church, but I see them at Home Depot. I'm like, hey, what's new? I've I just been busy. They say, I've just been busy. I got this new job. The problem is, is you prayed for that job here at these altars, and you got that job, and now you're too busy to acknowledge a God who gave you that job? So just life just happened. But you do, you're working very hard. You're doing things great. You're involved in small group. You come and you volunteer. You pray for others. But what happened to the fire? I used to see the sparkle in your eyes. Now it's not there anymore. What happened? Just <laughs> for at least another year. And, and then, which I started, it's all my fault, COVID. No, not my fault, it's COVID's fault. And then what happens is that people get to this point where they've lost their first love. And sometimes they blame the senior pastor. I know. Crazy. And there are just enough people for me to feel the need to mention it this morning. <laughs> They'll try to blame me. I'm like, hold, hold, hold up, hold up, hold up a second. What happened? I'm like, what happened? What happened? COVID. And, and then, you know, it's like, okay, so they transitioned to another church. Pastor, it's not you. It's time for us to leave. We're going somewhere else. We love you. You're the most anointed being on the face of the planet. You're the best preacher. You're better than T.D. Jakes. You're, you're so awesome. And I'm like, so what's wrong? It, it's like, the, I, I tell you what, for those of you who are at that point where you've lost that fire, don't make major decisions. 
Because when you're on fire for God and you have a deep love for Christ and you share the gospel, people are getting that organic, fiery gospel. But when you're not in love with Christ, they get a freezer burn form of the gospel. And the gospel is fresh, alive, and we've lost that. We've lost it. Somewhere along the line, it's like, go sleep on the couch. Somewhere along the line, we slam the door. Somewhere along the line, we start arguing. Somewhere along the line, we mention the D word. Somewhere along the line, it's okay to stay out for several days. Somewhere along the line, we've lost that internal fire. You're doing everything great, but. The gospel is not about doing. The gospel is about being. I'm so glad that, that Jesus came. He did the cross, but it was because of love. I'm so glad he didn't stay in heaven and, and zoom his way into our lives and open up the laptop and say, hey, guys, we're not ready. To, I'm not ready yet, but I just want to make sure we chill. We good? And, and attempt to redeem the world from heaven. He did, but he also was the gospel was a sacrifice. And in verse 5 of chapter 2, he says, consider how far you have fallen. Repent. There's that word again. Whoa. You know, my concern with so many churches is that we're trying to, you know, in our sense of not offending people, we, there are a lot of churches that don't use the word repent anymore. <laughs> we still use that. I know we're old-fashioned. <laughs> it's like repent. It says in the Bible. Repent. So can I refresh your, mem your memory of what it means? Repent. You're changing your mind, turning around. That's what the Bible says. Repent and do the things you did at first. But what did you do at first? I couldn't wait to talk to Susan Fair. People are like, who's Susan Fair? Susan Fair Palo. She's got her maiden name on Facebook. I don't know what that's about. COVID. No, honey, you can keep your middle or your, and your maiden name. That's okay. I'm telling you, man, we were like, let's go on a date. Let's go out again. Let's go out again. Let's go out again. And say, you know, the rule is uh, go on a date night every week. When you're in love, when you love, when you love, you say, when is service? I'm going to be there. And there are people that first get saved. You see, Pastor Tony, I, every time the church is open, I'm going to be there. You're going to get sick of seeing my face. And then something happens, and it's like, I used to drive. My wife is a nurse. She worked, she worked so hard. She, works, she worked in Manhattan, Rusk Institute. She would have the 3 to 11 shift. But if you're a nurse, you know that means 3 to 1, 2-ish in the morning. And, I, and, and she said, hey, can you give me a ride? And I was like, yes. Right? Oh, you, that's right. I was like, I got you. And sometimes she says, I'm coming out at 2, and sometimes I had to wait. And get out, and she'd get out at 3. So I would drive to Brooklyn, to Manhattan, from Manhattan, drop her off in Queens, go back home to Brooklyn, but not go back to bed because it was, like, time for me to go to work. And then I would go to work. You know why? Because I was in love. And I was hoping that, you know, too bad Uber wasn't around back then. No, I was an Uber. See, you did things. He says, repent and do the things that you did at first. What are those things? Man, I was worshiping Jesus all the time. I came to church early. Now some of y'all forgot the time of this. If you did 
with your job, what you do with church, you'd be fired. But anyway, that's a side thing. You came to church, you joined Bible study, you read the Bible. You, give me another devotional. Pastor Donovan, I, Lady Cynthia, give me another devotional. Give me that. You, you were so hungry. Do the things you did at first. What did you do at first? That natural passion, love, is what really helped you move past the obstacles. And with the book, The Church of Ephesus, life happens. And sometimes I got to acknowledge that life will attempt to dismantle your fire. Life isn't kind. And what happened in 2020 dismantled some, but yet developed others. That same obstacle crushed some, but built up others. So what the rebuke here in Revelation 2.5, the first element of this rebuke is like him saying, remember, I want you to consider how far you've fallen. Reflect when, on when your relationship with Christ was when you first came to him. I want you to go back and reflect on them. The time you gave your life to Christ, reflect on those what you did. But it's not enough just to reminisce. You can't just say, I remember the revivals back in the 90s. That's all well and good. But what's happening now in your life? Remember how far you have fallen. And then the second thing he says in verse 5 is repent. After you reflect and remember where you came from and where you're at now, it's only logical to say, God, I repent. Spiritual compromise and the corruption of the heart is setting us up to distance ourselves from God. Now, if you don't have that, that fire, that undying passion, repent. And I'm going to tell you something, because there are a lot of people that I see out in the marketplace that are struggling, distance themselves from God, distance themselves from the church. And they say, oh, pray for me, 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 pray for me. Now, the results that you need won't come from prayer. The results that you need will come from repentance. It's important that we get this now. I'll pray for you a million times. But all you have to do is repent once, and you're going to see results take place in your life that normally do not happen when you pray. Maybe your biggest breakthrough is repentance. And repentance, let me tell you what repentance looks like. I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to stop the direction I'm going in. And I'm going to turn around and do something that's not that. Stop. Stop. I remember my dad, when he would spank me, an hour later he would come into my room, sit on my bed. I'm like, what are you doing? Because when I'm disciplined by someone, I'm, nobody like. do you like being disciplined? I don't like being disciplined. I don't like being rebuked. And this is why the, you always cushion a rebuke, right, with something good. Then you rebuke, then you end up something good. So let's say if I'm going to rebuke Colby. Hey, man, Colby, you're awesome, man. You're a hard worker. I appreciate it. You're a man of God. You're involved. You do the, the loft. You volunteer. You go to men's Bible study. But... This guy's enjoyed this too much. And then you end with something positive. So he says, doing everything great, the book of Ephesians. 
but I have this one thing against you. You've lost. You keep sleeping on the couch. You keep mentioning the D word every time things get rough. You keep taking your, 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 your wedding band when you're in other people's premises. I had a friend when we lived in a, another state, and I was young. And any time we'd get around someone, he would go like this. And so the, there was a lady that was across the counter, and I'm like, why are you taking your wedding ring off? I didn't know. I was like 23. I'm like, I. He goes, shh. Some of you got to, you've taken your wedding ring when you're in a different environment off. And you slip it back on when it fits you. But this is covenant, not contract. Your contract is your mortgage. Your contract is a car payment. Your contract is an electrical bill. Covenant is unbroken. So there are times when we kind of get lazy, we take our wedding band off, and God says, uh-uh. This is, I, I'm going to chase after you with a love. His grace and his mercy pursues us. So he says, remember, repent. And then he says, repeat. Do the things that you did at first. That lost love. Pastor Tony, I remember when I used to hear God's voice, but I haven't heard his voice in a long time. Well, God doesn't change. What did you stop doing? What did you do when you did hear God's voice? Man, I remember when I used to feel God's presence. Now I don't feel it anymore. So there was a guy driving a pickup truck, and his wife is over here. And she says, and remember when, when we used to drive together in a pickup truck? You used to put your arm around me, and we used to just be near each other one night. You used to drive. And he said, I never moved. See, God, if he's going to move, he's going to be moving closer to you. So he says, remember, repent, and repeat. Do the things you did at first. See, the consequence of losing that love, the first consequence is that we become busy. This is what happened to the church of Ephesus. They got busy. Busy doing good things, but you've lost out on the valuable things. And in that busyness, they've lost their ability to really know God. I mean, you can know God or truly know him because you're in relationship with him. There are people that know me, that love me, because they're in relationship with me. They know me. They know my, my heart. They know my, my, my dark side. They know my light side. They know all my struggles. They know me, and they love me because we're in relationship with me. And then there are the people that know me just because they stalk my Facebook page. So they know me. They know when I'm out eating a cheeseburger, if I post a picture of my cheeseburger with Tommy Craig or Pastor Donovan. They know me when I'm in Florida and they see a picture or two. So they know me in that sense, but they truly don't know me. You know what we call those people? Stalkers. God doesn't like being stalked. Because my Bible says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, let's get back to the original question. Something happened along the way. You got so busy that you've lost that ability. And he says, if you don't repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from his place. But then, he, verse 7, he says, 
to everyone who's victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. This is so cool because, like, Adam really messed up. But God says, I'm going to let you eat from the tree that I told Adam he couldn't eat from. So get this. You're in heaven. You become victorious. You can be able to eat from that fruit looking at Adam and Eve and say, ha, ha, ha. This is, again, you're doing a great job. But, and if you're victorious and overcome, you get to eat from the tree of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the churches. So those spiritual disciplines that you used to do when you were in love with God, when you first started out, that's what kept you fueled. That's what motivated you in your relationship with God. But somewhere along the line, you got busy. You let life hit you. And let me tell you, man, there's nothing worse. I have to acknowledge that when life hits you and knocks you down and you try to get up and catch your breath, but you can't, and you get up, and you still haven't caught your breath, and you're still trying to do all the right things, but your energy and focus is so much on the doing, you've lost the art of being. And this is why you're a human being, not a human doing. Get that love back in. How do we do that? God, change. I, I'm sorry. What do you say when you mess up to your spouse? I'm sorry. Remember that word for those of you who are married? I'm sorry. Remember that word, Pastor Donovan? You, you, of course, you remember that. Colby, remember that word? I'm sorry. I messed up. Get back on track. So you could say sorry. I could say sorry, I messed up, but if I'm continuing to do the same thing, there's no true repentance and not true change. Sorry, I messed up means I got to stop. And when I stop, then I go back and do the things that I used to do when I was in love with Jesus. So you say, God, sorry, forgive me. I messed up. Heal my heart. Heal my mind. I got busy. I let life, I let life consume me. And I'm so busy with good things that I've lost out, out on the importance of the only thing. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And now let's reflect how busy life has become. Man. You work hard. You're very patient. You don't tolerate evil. You're kind to people. You do everything correct. God doesn't want to be impressed. He wants your heart. That's it. Got busy. I know you're busy. You're working really hard. But can we just put ourselves in a timeout for a moment to say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. It's not a thing about shame and condemnation. It's about conviction. And the Holy Spirit is convicting us. Father, I'm sorry. I'm coming back with the story of grace and mercy. I'm coming back with the story of forgiveness and kindness that I received from Daddy, my Father. God, forgive me. And God, I want to get to that point where I overcome and be victorious, where I get to partake of the fruit of the tree of life in the paradise of God. Forgive me. I'm sorry. If you're here this morning 
this afternoon and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I, I want to make sure that you are ready when Jesus Christ comes back. Because according to the chart, we are in the Laodicean era from 1900s until Jesus comes back. Jesus hasn't come back yet. But if you do not have a relationship with Christ, Jesus wants that from you. So if you're here today, all you have to do is say a prayer. If everyone could just say this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. Thank you for dying on the cross. I repent of my sins and need you in my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I'm giving my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, and you said, that was my first time ever praying that prayer, I want you to raise your hand wherever you're at. I see you. I see you guys, young ladies in the front. I see you in the back, sir. Anyone else? You prayed that prayer and said, that's me, Pastor Tony. I prayed. Anybody else? You had that relationship. I want you guys to do me a favor now. I want you to see the two ladies, the two young ladies at the welcome uh, desk, the guest services. They're going to get you a Bible. All right, my friend? Right now, the angels in heaven are rejoicing because of these three salvations. Come on. Now, let's take a step back. For those of you who had that relationship with Christ, you're doing everything great. But recapture that fire. Pastor Donovan, I mean, how many years has it been since you've been serving Christ? 35? Maybe more. But then I'm being in ministry as a pastor. Isn't it true? Every once in a while, you get hit so hard. Man, it's hard to get up. Man, it's hard to recover. And then when you do get up and recover, okay, back to doing. But you've lost your being. Something was stolen from you. Something that only God can restore. And God wants to restore that here today. Put your hand over your heart. My heart is yours, Jesus. Come on. My heart is yours, Jesus. And only you, Father. I am in covenant with you. Hey, I'm in covenant with heaven. Contracts are broken. Covenants are not. My heart is yours. My mind is yours. Lord, forgive us. We change our ways. We change our direction. We change the pattern of our thinking. We change the stinking thinking. We change the flow of our attitude, Lord. And we go back and do the things that brought you glory. So that the doing that's inspired by the Holy Spirit, oh God, will become being. Change. Change. Go ahead, Pastor Mike. Change.